Hello and Paper Tuesdays too. Welcome with Michael Dyer and Mark Halpin. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> That's the best entrance yet. <laughs> Why are we oh. so excited? Uh, because we're doing the bingo on Friday night. Oh, bingo yeah. Friday night. DM us and we'll give you a few books. Yeah. Finger guns. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Like, yeah. like excommunicated from my own club, but uh, yeah, it'll be fun. It will, it will. It's uh, it's been quite the treat with uh, Gary Malloy and Conor McDonald were uh, unreal, and now this. I I look forward to the dynamism of the bingo, my Mark, because mm. like I just I feel we'll have a great flow to it. You know, yeah. a bit of variety to the numbers. You know, I'll be going one Kelly's eye, and then you've come in with two little ducks, twenty two, <laughs> and you know, just bounce off each other. Yeah. Just be, two yeah. fat people. It can't be ladies. Oh yeah, fat yeah. we yeah. don't. Discriminate yeah. with gender. Oh, no way. No like way. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that'd be fun. Yes. Yeah. So please do support and uh, DM us for the books. So, anyhow, um, let's go to the parish of the week, Mark. And this week's parish of the week, boom, boom, is uh, comes from the BBC. Thanks, BBC. And actually, another just a footnote just to say that. I, I'm actually delighted, Mark. April Fools was last week, and all the local newspapers did like Donald Trump is now building a castle in Offaly, or he's actually in in Clare at the moment. Mm. Paper Tuesdays showing its true journalism integrity did not do any April Fools jokes. You know, no, we didn't. No, yeah, no. So it's, it's a sign of what Paper Tuesdays is about. You know, real, honest, independent journalism. Yeah, well, I didn't know what day it was. <laughs> Here, Parish of the Week, Mark. Uh, we're going to uh, All Saints Shirley in South Wark in South London. And that's because the local rector there in the Church of Ireland Church there. <laughs> rector. Or Church of England, that'll be over there. Mm. Uh, Reverend Yvonne Clark. There she is. She was the first. Um, what was she? The first black female deacon to be uh, ordained in the Church of England back in 1987. And she's about to lose her home and her parish because the diocese has said that they've decided because of uh, a lack of money, they're going to have to amalgamate the parishes. And I'm surprised that she's going to lose her home and the parish. But I'm sure they'll have to figure out and put her somewhere else. They'll sort her out, I'd say. No, they're not going to leave her homeless. But she's really not t- not uh, too happy with it, and um, she, it's she says it's been her mission to ensure that immigrants and children of immigrants in the area have been welcomed into the church. And she's worked with the diverse community, and she's brought a wider group of worshippers to the church. So uh, that's where she wants to, as she says herself, see out her ministry. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just found it. Oh yeah, by the way, Miss Clark's solicitor said the closure would have an impact on the community. So this woman is not going away lightly. She's taken on all the whole big church. Yeah. Um, So anyway, actually, the solicitor says the Church of England has made clear its intention to tackle institutional racism, wherein it is clear decisions are made to preserve the white church structures with which its priests and more senior clergy are more familiar. Boom. Bang. (laughs) Jane. So like there's no resolution here to this article, Mark. We, um, the, the church says that they have a robust structure to examine their policies and they have a flourishing diocesan minority ethnic affairs committee. I'd say they have some crack. Oh, my God. The Protestants have always been so, more jazzy, haven't they? Like, <laughs> we don't have any of this. There be no ethnic they love the stuff. Committees. There be no women. There be no <laughs> nothing. There be no, you do what you're told and that's it. If you don't like it, tough enough. Spread them. <laughs> We don't have fucking ethnic diversity councils and no, we don't have no. fucking any of that shit. Like, no. there's no, uh, obviously it's white fucking whatever in Catholicism, but like, we don't have people arguing with it. Yeah. Don't argue. 
the whiteness the whiteness mm. yeah Gee. oh no maybe i don't know there's a lot of yeah asher didn't uh tommy turner had a joke before where it's like we used to send all our pre-south africa to teach them the word of god and then what did we start bringing back from africa a few years ago missionaries to teach us about catholicism because all the priests were dying out yeah some of them are gas mm. yeah. <laughs> there's a lad um lad up in cabin uh or some of my relatives are and like it's in the back arse of nowhere like and uh <laughs> there's like a speak uh, oh one story at a time Mike. anyway <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah he ends yeah, with saying and as i always say don't worry and then the people say back to him, be happy in their big cabin accents <laughs> and he used to sing red red wine but then uh, like uh, but then people like started saying no you can't be doing that because you're encouraging alcohol so then he said okay i won't sing red red wine so yeah Oh, yeah. that's great they're the best. now we're learning from them yeah yeah so, we should if we had a missionary priest down here i'd start going again yeah yeah <laughs> you'll be you start the gospel choir mark's help mark helping's gospel choir mark's helping soul and rhythm <laughs> oh happy days oh happy days <laughs> a longford leader that's where all the juicy stories come from a vintage tractor stolen from shed in west cork recovered 400 kilometers away in leitrim now, wow. isn't that some burglary? So on the morning of March 24th, Guardian Bantry received a report that a vintage tractor had been stolen from a shed on land in Skull. Hmm. On land? On land. <laughs> <laughs> That's the strangest thing I've heard in an article. <laughs> the underwater sheds are, uh, in Skull weren't uh, affected by this incident. Uh, yeah, so following their initial inquiries, Guardian located the tractor in Carragon Shannon, some 400 kilometres away. Uh, the stolen tractor has since been returned to the owner. Imagine the ordeal. Imagine if you said, no, do you know what? I want to fight crime and I want to protect the people and I joined the Gardaí. And then, I don't know, 20 years later into your service, you have to organise a tractor to move from Leitrim back to Cork. I'd watch the documentary. <laughs> the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what it, that's the other story I was going to say. So now we're going to... Uh, there right. was this... I, I, was, I stumbled on YouTube yesterday and there was this cabin man. Robbie, I'll send you the video because this cabin man was giving out about his post office clause and, and he was just... It was like... The, the drumlins and the lakes of Cavan just produced this man. It was just the most rural, gentle. It was the rural. I don't know. You, you'll see from the video what I'm talking no about. Help to me anyway, like uh, no benefit. But I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to manage. Yeah. Yeah. You're still driving, Jim. At least oh, you'll I be. I am for a while anyway. Yeah. Your understanding is that the services will be moved to Ballyconnell. Yeah. Yeah. And where are you living yourself, Jim? Oh, I'm living away above and. In, in Glengap. In Glengap, yeah. And what do you think about this closure of post offices and rural towns and the state of rural towns? Oh, no, it's very, very bad. Huh? Yeah. Very, very bad. It lives the, the people that's living in the area. You see nobody. Yeah. But uh, one of the comments said, um, "YouTube algorithm uh, colon he'll watch anything at this stage." It's like it was a five-minute video about how his post office closed. Like, it was just it was very good. Anyway, back to the uh, tractor and cabin. So no arrests have been made, but Gardy are, or no, sorry, in Leitrim this was no arrests have been made, but Gardy are following a definite line of inquiry. So I wonder what the line of inquiry is. Wouldn't you love to know? Yeah. Who? Yeah. Where to start? You need, yeah. you need one of those billboards in the stream. It's like land tractor. It's like a sea with a big circle and an X going through it. A picture of a wave. <laughs> right, we're on to it. <laughs> <laughs>
There you are. Thank you for that, Longford. Um, I don't know why the Longford leader is covering that either. I, no. I don't know. Longford, Longford leader isn't great. involved in that. The Longford leader is great. <laughs> You've spotted a yeah. mark. Well done. There's a trend. Yeah, yeah. Here, this is an interesting one now, moving from uh, local to more international affairs. So this comes from the Irish Times, friends of the pod. And uh, RTE reporter in Beijing flees China with husband after threats. So uh, this is Irish journalist uh, Vaughn Murray, who had been reporting for RTE from Beijing, has been forced to flee China's what she calls hostile atmosphere with her family and make concerns for the safety of her husband, veteran BBC correspondent John Sudworth. So um, the two of them have decided to relocate with their children um, to Taiwan. Uh, they felt they had no option but to flee their home. Uh, for years, it felt like they were lurching from crisis to crisis. And uh, it started with ridiculously short visas, often just one month and not renewed until the very last minute. Uh, and when that didn't work, it progressed to full scale personalized attacks and legal threats carried in Chinese state media and pumped out across Chinese and international social media. Wow. Leave. <laughs> oh, that's a simple solution for yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Don't like it. Go somewhere else. Wow, Mark, you're so unpredictable because a few weeks ago when we were kind of just talking about the weather or whatever, you were like, China, no one's talking about China. I thought you would jump on this and say, yeah, that's why. No, you're Yeah, China are bastards, right? (laughs) If you live there, you don't like it. Right. It's that simple. Okay. And people complain about Ireland as well. Ah, these fucking arseholes. Go somewhere else. Go fuck (laughs) off to fucking Taiwan and see how good it is there. Namaste, paper chips. Namaste. <laughs> shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> oh, Robbie, nice to look at this one. Um, so, yeah, well, sure, that's that's the scale there, really. Um, mm. She's very unhappy and they face threats of legal action. Um, yeah, Taiwan, apparently, um, apparently the... They have a thing with pineapples. They grow pineapples over there. Didn't oh, they? do they? Yeah. And shoelaces. Shoelaces? Yeah, they're bad shoelaces. They're bad? Mm, you can only Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant, Mark. Well done. Thanks. You're here all day. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> Bingo, Friday night. <laughs> here, we'll take a few TTPs back. I want to go to... Um, Oh, there's so many here. Calling Australia. Tell me about uh, that. This is just a massive pain in the arse I had during the week. So I got oh. an email from um, Australia. Actually, mm. two weeks ago, I got an email from Australia. It's like, there's an outstanding payment on your account, which I thought I'd closed. Right. So like, could you please contact us? It's a matter of urgency. We'll ring. This will go on your credits and stuff like oh. that. So I was like, right, I'll try to get it sorted. Couldn't ring him because it won't let me through to ring him, to ring Australia. Mm. Uh, the one it was outside of the time zone so then I got up a bit earlier so I could ring them couldn't ring them I sent them emails multiple emails then again I was like all right fair enough can't get through next week they're like this is now a matter of urgency we will have the authorities involved and then I was like look I can't fucking contact you I emailed them again and then they sent another one saying that they were getting the authorities involved so then I was like right look I'm just gonna have to find a fucking way of calling so I, I spent like 25 euro trying to get through a phone call to Australia yeah and then your man was like okay I'll transfer I was waiting on a call on hold for ages and he goes I'll transfer you to the correct number and then when he was transferring me he made a mistake and cut me off so I had to do the whole fucking phone call again and then he put me he's like oh yeah sorry I pressed the wrong number <laughs> so then I had to ring again they put me through to the right person 
you know how much money was outstanding in my account? Mm-hmm. 20 Australian dollars maintenance fee on an account oh, they forgot man. to close. That's what this was over. But how, how were they going to report you to the Irish authorities? Because I've heard stories before of like cute Irish lads going over to Australia and then leaving with a heap of credit card debt or whatever. Mm, just... Yeah. Well, they couldn't. I suppose they didn't know I lived back in Ireland. That's why they thought the account was still open. Because once I told oh, them right. I moved home, they just cancelled that 20 euro. You're on a bit of a morality streak, aren't you? Like <laughs> last week you had the whole thing about the supplements and now this week it's, uh, you know, closing your account and settling your... You know, in case the Australian credit card... Well, in case you ever went back to Australia, that would mm. go against you. No, no, I follow you now. Yeah. Well, like um, Orla, Brendan's fiance, mm. she had an outstanding um, medical bill in New Zealand. She didn't know about it. When she went to apply for her mortgage, they brought that up. Wow. Okay. So she had to go and pay that. It was like a hospital visit or something. But yeah, they, they trace it back to that as well. So wow. I just went, oh, I had to get all that sorted. Because it could have been happening. Like, I didn't know mm. what the fee was. So it could have been fucking like... I sold my car to a dodgy fella before I left, so I don't know what it could have been. Uh, yeah, so that was it. So I am, yeah, I am taking moral high ground now, and I am better than everybody else. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I dress you should feel bad. And, yeah, uh, it won't be long till you're verified on Twitter. Or something. <laughs> yes. Um, actually, speaking of Australia, now we're almost a year into this lockdown, and almost a year since you're back in Ireland. Mm. Are you like you're talking? The margins of you remaining on Australia are probably. Slim, like, like there, there wasn't a whole lot there um remaining over there yeah there. like mm. it was only a matter of chance that you know you just felt that the time was right because of the pandemic shutdown mm. or whatever to come back yeah um yeah i could have still been there yeah had it been like maybe another month i wouldn't have got back i left melbourne two days before they got that big second spike where everything closed down yeah so i was lucky in that regard yeah i could have still been there do you Over think christmas now oh yeah are you you're happier that you came back yeah, happier that I came back, but like again, I don't think I'm finished traveling either. Mm. I think I would like to do a bit more. I actually done some work on it today. Um, do you read the four hour work week? Yeah. And you know, the this this disaster, um, oh, there is a name for it, he has a name for it, but you plan out the worst case scenario if you've done it. Because I was like thinking about, you know, do I want to go do this sort of sabbatical traveling for a while? And I've done it, and I was like, I was, had all this shit in my head, like, and I was like, oh, this and this and this. Then you write it all down, you write down. If this would anything, if you're making a business plan, if you want to leave your job, you want to move, you want to travel, you want to do anything, uh, you write down what could go wrong. And then if it goes wrong, like the absolute worst thing that could happen, absolute catastrophe, write down all those things, say, what could happen? What could I do to rectify everything that happens? Do you do that? And then what's the positives of it if I've done this thing? And you'll find that the negatives are always solvable and the positives outweigh the negatives with most things because there's a reason you want to do something. And that's, so that's why I'm pretty sure I will go traveling again. I don't know for how long. But I reckon I will again. Did it? Mm. Very good. But, uh, obviously not anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, was another TTP. I brushed myself in the face with a barbell this morning. Oh dear! <laughs> was, How did you do that? So I done the Olympic lifting um, workshop yesterday. Yeah. And one of the key points, man, was like, get your face out of the way. That's just the main thing. Get your face out of the way. Don't hit yourself in the face. So I went out and practiced this morning. The first thing I did was smash myself in the face. Wow. With well. so I was like, I brought it up, like you, sn- you snap it up from your hips. And I snapped it up. Bang. <laughs> yeah. Jenny, Mac. Mm. Um, is that kind of like, you know, when you're horse riding, um, they say you have to fall off a horse seven times before you're, you know, you're right then, you're ready to go. Like, oh, uh, you have to smash just, yourself yeah. in the face with a barbell. Yeah. It probably does. Sure, that's like, you have to drown to learn to swim, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear here at mark gardening happy funerals right yeah, i was gar- i you know the way normally with when it comes to girlfriends or uh, well, girlfriends <laughs> <you hear me? laughs> 
Ebbe <laughs> <laughs> mina. <laughs> so as normally I'm saying about all her driving habits and this, that and the other. Well, she's done something that gets 10 out of 10 for me. Right. She's, she's going to grow a cut flower garden and she's cut, uh, cultivated the ground. It's a triangle of her granny, granny's garden. Mm-hmm. And she's she's planted uh, bulbs and seeds for this uh, corner of the garden. And it's going to be cut flowers so that like she it's an intensive area where she uh, cuts the flowers and then, you know, makes a nice little vase inside. Oh, very so, nice. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it great? I, I was so impressed by the whole process. But anyway, this is the first time in a while that I observed the whole thing of planting a bulb. Mm. And it struck me that, you know, because you're only focused on getting enough clay and soil out of the ground and you drop it down at the bulb and you cover it over. It was like a happy funeral. That it was like that, you know, this this bulb, this thing that, you know, isn't that attractive. And mm-hmm. we put it in the ground and then in a few months time, it'll flower and it'll give life and beauty to this little area. Mm-hmm. So I know this is only a t- tiny little corner of a garden, but it was taken by this whole idea of that. I wonder, I wonder like, yeah, I'm going to leave that airy fairy top, but I just mean in general that like, uh, even the and when you look at the journey of the flower itself, it is like a happy funeral. Mm. So like the dead body is like, okay, yeah. or well, like, it's a sad thing or whatever, and then it grows up, and the spirit, like the flower that comes out of the ground. Yeah, yeah. Is that like a happy funeral? Have you ever been to a happy funeral? That's a great question. That is a brilliant question. Um, I don't think so. You? Mm, no, like no funeral is happy, but like yeah, funerals are great after like a good crack because everyone's around and like you're not supposed to be happy, but then you are mm. for some reason. Well, I am, I am anyway. <laughs> Maybe I'm inappropriate, but like, I do have good crack at funerals, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Apparently, there, there was grey crack, like, or I think we've discussed it before, that like, apparently Irish funerals back hundreds of years ago were massive crack. They were yeah. just, yeah. It was like a send-off, sure. Yeah. Sure, the Celtic gods and all. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Um, 1729.com. Now, mm. I'm recommending this um, recommendation of the week right mm. um this is off the charts and it's i'm not going to explain this properly but anyway there was a podcast four hours long four hours and i'm recommending something like you probably haven't got around to this today no it's probably worth the investment this man balaji is kind of a this techie guy and he sees things that like he, he's predicting things that you know are a bit off the wall but like it seems like he has his head screwed on Mm. So, but it's all about tech anyway. So he started this thing called 1729.com and it's a weekly or daily newsletter and it sends out tasks. So the idea is that this newsletter will upskill the likes of people like you and me, but it'll also upskill people in the third world that, you know, have access to the internet, but don't have access to courses. Mm. So in getting in their email, this email maybe to a 16 year old in Brazil or someone in Africa Mm. that they will learn skills that will help them climb out of poverty and climb to a better, you know, because these are skills and investments that will serve them in uh, the future marketplace. So he, one of the tasks was to post a fitness, uh, evidence of a fitness workout. So like, even though this is a tech news that are like, you know, because they want to develop a community where fitness is, you know, an important trait. Um, I suppose it, like you even went into great detail on, the importance of it and um i won ten uh, dollars worth of bitcoin mm. as a result of the evidence so like there's a reward for these tasks so 
while I would be deficient in a lot of the coding areas at the moment, yeah. I it, it gives you encouragement to make the basic steps. And it's like a small challenge that, you know, can easily be completed. There was a fitness workout, so that's an easy one for me. Mm. But um, it gives you more encouragement to do the other stuff. Um, yeah, all the rewards of Bitcoin. This man is big into Bitcoin mm. um, and Ethereum. And yeah. And he's given out this Bitcoin himself. Like, yeah. Really? He must be he must be a millionaire. Yeah. yeah very well demand. But he sees the value in it as well, you know, because I, I, I suppose, you know, it's in an age where college education really... Well, maybe if you took the right course, maybe it'd serve you well. But I think mm. it's more than the idea that, you know, there have to be better ways for people to um, climb the ladder to uh, a career that's um, that would fit into a, a more technological world. Mm. Yeah, it's a very good idea. Now, I tried it. I signed up for it. But like, that's all beyond me. I didn't see that fitness one, but one they're all like fucking coding and like yeah. technology and stuff. And like it involves me getting on a computer. So I just sort of... You know, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to get involved in that. And if people do want to get involved in it and they are willing to do that sort of stuff, it's a very good way to spend your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Um, pre-qualify phone owner owners. Uh, yeah, so I think I talked about this with you before, maybe off the air. But I was talking to Connor Moore the other morning, and um, we were saying about this. We were looking at someone who um. You probably shouldn't have a phone and they post a lot on instagram and social media and i think you know who i'm talking about already right yeah uh, so I, I just mentioned that like we should have a test when you go into a phone shop oh. have to pass some <laughs> sort of iq test or like a, a personality <laughs> or aptitude test to see if you're allowed <laughs> to have a phone because like it's for their own good like fucking hell they just some people are it's self-destructive in a way really isn't it like they lead much happier lives offline <laughs> i never thought of someone suggesting that i thought communism was you know like that was that seems another i don't know i, I don't think i'd agree back but no. I, I i really admire how you um thought of that solution <laughs> to the world's problems thank you you don't think so you don't think there's people that just no shouldn't let them let them, let them off yeah yeah, <laughs> you have a face like I can't believe it. That's such horror into the world. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people on the same boat as you, but I, I'm completely on my side here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's compassion on my side. <laughs> you should be wearing a high vis vest in a phone shop, and you can say, "No, take that. No, <laughs> for your all good. For your all good. Your mammy be delighted." I'd be Instagram police or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My face pops up on the screen. Yourself. What's three to the power of four? <laughs> Phone shuts down. You found it. You wrote for yourself. <laughs> it's like uh, these COVID-19 compliance officers never knew what they were going to face, uh, you know, battling a pandemic. And now you're just protecting people. Yeah. Protect you're protecting them from themselves, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one mark um last one shout out to our executive producer gavin stab and he had this instagram up lately of something when this pandemic is over i'll never walk again and that's why i'd like to discuss with you mark walks oh yeah yeah they they've taken um, maybe we're i'd like to know the history of walking like you know we 
<laughs> we like have these walking tracks that have kind of sprouted over like why did we feel the need for these walking tracks like is it because that roads are busier so wh- what did where do people walk before they had walking tracks did they walk in the roads or did they walk in the fields so where were they walking walk on the road i suppose on the road people still walk on the road i walk yeah on the road if i was going walking yeah yeah so yeah, but then say in the in the pandemic, like has there been an increase in walking? I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. Actually, people aren't really going anywhere. Mm. You can't really have to stay in your five k. Walking is good for your head, I suppose. It's a good exercise. It's low impact. Yeah, I suppose we Jai quickly is big into our walks as well. And um, yeah, no, it's just a, something that it's such a simple thing. Like it, there you it wouldn't be big on my list now. I used to argue with people that walking wasn't exercise, but it is. It, well, it, I've, I've changed my mind. It is. I, you I mean, said that really quickly in case there were people pouncing on me. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Paper Tuesdays. We're going to talk to a golfer shortly. Okay, so someone suggested that way to solve your problems was to look at your problem and say, what would this look like if it was easy? So oh. I said, what if I said, what would my life look like if it was easy? Wow. Okay. So I wrote this down. I'm doing that thing again where I look at all the things. Yeah, you're looking at my <laughs> answers, right? <laughs> right, so here we go. What my life would look like if it was easy. My hair would stay the same length. So I wouldn't have to get it cut. Oh, right. Make my life easier. Okay. No, I don't. <laughs> Someone suggested this, really. No, no. It, that's how you look at your problems. You say, how, oh, right. what okay. would this situation look like if it was easy? So I said, my life is sort of a problem. So <laughs> how would I fix this? So I said, my nails would clip themselves. Uh, somebody else would brush my teeth <laughs> hula hooping would be enough exercise alcohol is a vitamin <laughs> I'm not afraid of my emotions scrambled eggs don't stick to the pan I have a girlfriend who only exists after 6pm <laughs> sorry Barry Mike you go to bed at eight <laughs> yeah, it's two hours hello <laughs> up to bed now adios bye bye yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, I can wear white shoes more than months without destroying them. (laughs) People on the internet lightened up a bit. Oh, yeah. I can pull off a shumper. (laughs) (laughs) Harambe still alive and no (laughs) Enescorti. That is brilliant. So I'm going to set you a challenge now, Michael. So you have to tell me what your life would look like. For oh, next right. week. For, for next week. week. That's, That's a great homework. idea. What yeah. would your life look like if it was easy? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. Jason's in the waiting room. We let Fantastic. him in. Classic. Yes, Jason. Come on down. Come on down. Uh, hello and welcome back to the second half of Paper Tuesdays. This week we have uh, Jason Rackard with us. Michael, would you like to? J- Jason uh, was introduced to us by James Mordant, who mm. we had. Uh, did you have an interview with James back a while ago, or when you had the Mullingar Cup, or? No, it's funny. We, I, I got to know James. We were um, a friend of mine runs a, a horse racing kind of a Facebook page type thing that he started up a few years back, and he just decided to um, start a bit of a podcast. Sure, um, and he asked me what I like doing it, and he got it. However, he met James. I can't really remember, but yeah, James was uh, with myself and uh, another friend of mine, Jay, and, and Davy and James. Now the four of us done a bit of a racing podcast there for about I don't know maybe. 10, 10 episodes of that. Yeah. Um, back 20, what was it, about 2019, maybe the start of 2019. Uh, so that's, that's, that's kind of how I met James. Cool. You begin to the racing then as well, or 
Like yeah, I love it. Like yeah, a... I just follow. Yeah, I kind of follow it a little bit. Um, I have done so for years. Um, grandfather had uh, a couple of horses, and my next door neighbor trained a few horses. So kind of since I was a young lad, I kind of always liked it and enjoyed it, and just kept following it. And yeah, sure, I love the big, the big, uh, the big, the big ones like Cheltenham and and Aintree and Punchestown and Fairy House and Christmas and loads of adventures. It's yeah, yeah, there's a great buzz out of it. People got a right kick out of Cheltenham. Yeah. I think I certainly did anyway. Um, ah, it's good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jason, your golfing success uh, last August, it, it was brilliant, uh, I'm sure, from a personal point of view, but it, it was a great story altogether for someone like yourself. Like, I, I like to think that it shows that if you work hard enough for long enough, you might just succeed. So you might just set the tone for us, Jason, and set the scene for us. Like, what, what does the Mullingar Scratch Cup represent in the Irish go- amateur golfing calendar? And uh, how did you, how, how were you feeling going into it? Yeah, I suppose, look, with, the, um, with Mullingar, it's probably one of the most, the most prestigious Scratch Cup in the country. So with Scratch Cups, they're always, they're always stroke play events. Um, so whether it be 36 holes, maybe one day of a Saturday or, or um, 54 holes or a full 72. There's not many 72 hole scratch cups left in the country. So it's all, it's, all, it's all stroke play. A lot of the events we play um, are two round stroke play and then top 64 generally qualify for the match play. So you have like your north of Ireland, south of Ireland, east of Ireland, west. Uh, and then you have your Irish amateur, which is stroke play uh, and Irish close. I think the Irish Clause is, yeah, no, the Irish Clause is match play as well. I've never played the Irish Clause. Um, and Mullingar would be kind of like, if any, anyone that watches golf, it would be kind of like the Players' Championship of of the, the golfing world. You know, you have your four majors and then you have the players. That's kind of what it's like. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mad one. Like you're playing against lads who are playing at full time uh, and doing nothing else and they don't um, a lot of them are not working they're just kind of playing golf and giving it a go and trying to make it and here I come and spoil the party <laughs> uh, but yeah like, it's, it's, it's always something kind of out. I just wanted to see how good I was um, to see if I could win something like that and uh, yeah to get across the line last August was, was, was class yeah so like going into it like you took golf back up after college so you probably had what six or seven years of golf and then like it did lockdown kind of help put you in the right shape uh going into it uh or what, what do you think uh yeah so i would have played obviously would have played ga from a very young age and would have played not in kind of not, not that i would have played not in only ga which i played them all i played soccer football uh hurling um golf uh i would have been always kind of decent Playing at golf, I got to probably four handicap when I was sixteen, um, and I was always I was always good, but it was always playing second fiddle to, to you know, playing hurling or football. Like they always chose hurling or football over over um, over golf. And yeah, it was with with Wexford the whole way up along to minor, and then I was in I was in college. Uh, and I didn't really play much, and I just kind of lost interest. And that's kind of what I do if I don't have any interest. Like it's like with the hurling now. Uh, or when I give it up, like I didn't, I just didn't have any interest, and uh, I just said, what's, what's the point in, in playing if you if you don't have any interest? And I always kind of wanted to see how good I'd be um, if I did give golf a bit of a go, if, if if you know what I mean. But like still working at the same time, but I just kind of wanted to see how how, how good I was. And um, I uh, yeah, back when twenty it was about twenty ten, I um, started trying to get good, and I done we done well with the club. 
uh, in Ascarty in 2011. We won a, a Barton Cup. So for anyone that knows what a Barton Cup is, um, I played at one of my best mates. And, um, 2011, we won a Barton Shield, which would be the best four men in each club. Um, it's a foursomes event, like it's a, and we got to the other in semi-finals, and uh, yeah, we did a really good team that year. And I think that's what kind of gave me the, the bit of a grafter, I suppose, and um, played a couple of. I would I wouldn't have never been really low enough um, to get into kind of Irish men's events and stuff. And then 2013, roughly, I played. I remember I played a South, and I played maybe Mullingar a year after, and I just got the bug, and I found myself. I got the scratch handicap, and. I kind of just from, from, from there on, I went back to Hurland then for about three years and we were unlucky not to win a county intermediate, it was intermediate A title and we were beaten in a semi-final replay and I, I played, think I played one game the following year and I said, here, look, pack it in and go play golf, it's easier. <laughs> Let's hassle. Yeah. See, um, was it only then, or maybe, look, to be honest, I don't have any clue about Mark or golf. Uh, do you, Mark? Uh, no, not since you play down in Blackwater or Tree. Oh tree yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Danny Dixon said uh, my swing was, or someone's messages said my swing was made them sick or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah, that yeah. <laughs> so tell us, you put a lot of work in invested into like videoing your swing and applying some of the uh, wisdom from Padraig Harrington. Um, in, in, into your game back before the Mullingar Cup, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It would be it just around, around the time of lockdown. I remember Harrington was bringing was he bringing out videos or something, and he was uh, just, you know, you know, you know, Harrington talks an awful lot of shit, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, he like everything he says, everyone can kind of relate to it. Anyone that plays golf can kind of relate to him. So he makes it he makes it interesting for people to listen to, like, and he's got a crack, and you know, um, yeah, like I, I always am I'm a bit of a Anyone that kind of plays golf is a bit of a golf nerd. Like you'll, you'll be fucking sitting on YouTube looking at videos of this, that, and that out in fucking China and Australia and anywhere. If you can get any sort of a tip off them or whatever. And I just practiced and I just I remember when I got to Mullingar, I was in the hotel that evening and I, I said to I said to one of the lads with me, I said I was playing well and I just I kind of thought I'd do well and never thought I'd win. Like, but I I, I thought I'd do well. The only mistake I made is I didn't have a few quid on myself. <laughs> um yeah, uh it was a wicked price, but uh yeah, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but it was, it was it was class, yeah, it was deadly. And um looking at Mullingar, so um like do, and you obviously your grand your grandnephew Nicky Rackard, like do you do you ever think or reflect on you know the, the family name and how your ancestors might view your, your success or anything like that? Oh, yeah, it's, it's 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 mad, really. Like even even now, no matter where you go, and people people hear the surname and they they kind of relate back to whatever. Like especially the old, older generation. Like it was nice. I was at home. I was at home. It was a couple of weeks after Mullingar, I think was it. Yeah, and um, I happened to be in the golf club one day, and uh, Kira, the girl in the pro shop, handed me a letter. Uh, and I was like, I kind of didn't put any pass on it. And I threw it in the front seat of the car. I was going hitting a few balls or something. I can't remember what I was at. But I opened up when I got home. And it was from a man in Limerick um, who wrote me a, a long, a long, he obviously didn't have a mobile number on from me or whatever. But he wrote me a letter um, saying about how he, 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 uh, he used to follow Nicky and Bobby and Billy and, and all back in the 50s and this, that and the other. And, you know, it's, it's nice to get that type of stuff. So you can kind of, the older generation more so, you can kind of, they, they kind of relate to you more. 
and it's a good kind of conversation breaker where like you can kind of chat and especially in golf like you see you kind of see a lot of the older generation and then kind of when you're going away and bits and pieces of people will say to you are oh, you a record from wherever and you'd be like kind of yeah so you do just kind of have a chat about that now it's good yeah like they've all, all been been good i've never kind of felt any pressure like i don't think about that type of stuff you just i wanted to play golf and that was it like no the lad be on your back to kind of go back down hurling or whatever and i'm just like nah look at him go to golf and i'm gonna give it a go if you can win something up yeah there seems to be i would never have thought about like in golf there seems to be the same camaraderie and sporting teamwork necessary like when you comment on like um the you, you comment there on on the Barton Shield back in 2011. You know that, that yeah. you got a buzz from that, but also in in general terms, like um, there was another example of, of that teamwork. Oh yeah, like the pressure and the tension that you felt uh, not during the Mullingar Cup, but a few weeks previous in the club yeah. when there were six or yeah, seven yeah. people watching. Like, how would you describe that? Like, we're we're used to analogies like the boxer in the ring and the the hurler, the footballer standing over that free, important free kick. What, what similar moments are there where the, the sport and golfer has to um, feel the fear and, you know, face face on their challenge, face their challenge? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think, yeah, it's, it, that's, it's a bit of a tricky one, but it's, it's easy. You can kind of relate it to anything. Like, um, I suppose in golf, I find when you're playing for your club, Especially if you're playing at home, if you're playing in a sport like you're, you're, or you're like if you're away, you're kind of the focus is kind of off. You're if you're playing kind of say, just say for instance that that day in senior cup we were playing Ross Lair, we had three games at home. Generally, what that is is you five, you go to a neutral venue, and there's like maybe 20, 20 teams start out on a Saturday. The top four qualify for um, uh, your semi-finals on Sunday morning. Uh, and a final Sunday afternoon. That's generally how it's run, but because of COVID and stuff last year, they brought they brought us kind of home and away. So uh, we had, yeah, we we three at home, but it was great. Like we had kind of thirty or forty people or fifty people, whatever it was, um, following us. And just that, I suppose the walk to the first tee, and you're just hoping that you make contact. <laughs> you know, it's all over ball on uh, the first tee. Um, but yeah, it's it. But it's a it's a good it's a good buzz. Obviously, you're going to be nervous at different times. Like in Mullingar, I was probably there was probably certain points maybe in the first round where I was nervous, but I was I was so relaxed. Um, obviously, a little bit nervous and a little bit tense, but yeah, it's it's uh, having a bit of a lead come up the last did help. Now I nearly made a balls of it with a third shot. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's you just I suppose you just kind of have to use it. You you don't you don't you don't kind of realize I think till after how you can improve like in in the moment it's very hard to like i suppose that as the hurlers and boxers and stuff would tell you like you, you kind of you just have to deal with it when it comes and then next time if it happens again you kind of know how to deal with it a little bit better you know um right. yes it's, it's that's 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 the way i kind of find you're always kind of learning but you don't realize you're learning until the thing happens again yeah you know so those marginal gains and room for improvement, that seems to be a hallmark of sure, golf and even the fact how you had you your your continued practice led to you shortening your handicap. I suppose the handicap even is a is a solid measure of, you know, being able mm. to improve your improve your um skills in the golf world, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah, it's it's yeah, getting out in the handicap obviously is just important for, for us to try and get into events. Now, I don't really worry about my handicap this year, but I, I get in anyway. But I think like they've done something last year with the Order of Merit, where it's like top fifty get an automatic spot in the competition, regardless of your handicap. So, um, all right, okay. I, I don't, I don't kind of have to worry about it this year. Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. 
cool. Um, as you face into the summer of 21, um, do you have golfing goals or do you, do you just plan on keeping the head down? You've said before that July and August are your peak months, so um, are you still uh, going yeah. for success then? Yeah, it's strange. July and August, uh, yeah. Um, like I, I remember I said that to someone after Mullingar last year. Um, I always tend to play well. July, August, I remember I got beaten in the playoff in the Scratch Cup in Waterford. It was August, maybe. Mullingar was August. I played well in the South a couple of times. That's the end of July, start of August. So <laughs> whatever it is about July and August, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I have, I'm kind of working it around work and stuff. I have all the, the events in my diary. You now I won't play them all, obviously, but I'll try and play. Like work has gone that way. I can kind of, I can kind of swap around with lads and um, it's easy not get a bit of time off. So I'll, uh, I'll try and work as best I can. Um, I'm sure we'll see if hotels and stuff are open. You know, if they're not open, it's going to make things difficult on lads doing a bit of traveling. Like there's nothing really close to me at home here. But the, the Irish amateurs on in the European club in. Such a fucking stupid thing to anyway, uh, in August or October, I meant to say, it's fucking bossy up there. Um, nice. but yeah, that's uh, that's probably the closest one to me. Like, and then you've they're playing the west, I think, in September, and the east is up in Baltre, up in Loud. And I go to La Hinch, I'll probably play like, the north uh, in Portrush, and then I'll, a couple of weeks later, I'll probably play the south and then go to Mullingar. They'll be the end of the tree. I try and focus on, but like, I'm, I'm working, so I try and get. As much as much uh, practice in between as I can, and just see how it goes. I'm not playing for a living. I can just go and enjoy it. Like you don't have to worry about playing shit. If I play shit, I play shit. Um, like I don't like it's not. I, I don't. I'm not like other lads that like kind of go to these events and put so much pressure on themselves that they're barely able to hold the golf club when they get on the first day. If I go, if I play well, fair enough. If I don't, who cares? I get a few points that evening, and I go home the next day. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, I, I, like I'm, I'm not. I'm not looking. To make a lot of money out of it, I'm not looking to turn pro. I'm not putting any pressure on myself that way. So uh, I just give it a whack, go find it and whack it again. Yeah. Would you give any advice to people that like just to like to enjoy it or like what what advice would you give to someone? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I see loads of loads of the lads. Like loads of lads came to me last last year. Yeah, just kind of after lockdown. That's the would played a little bit here and there in the summer and they were kind of worried that they were kind of talking about join and in Ascarty and places like that and like you would just kind of everyone would be asking things you know after even after winning and stuff to be always kind of asking how's the golf going and thinking of taking it up first and they just go for it and go and enjoy it stop training like just go and have the crack like you're going out with two or three of your mates on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning like during each other playing for a five or a tenner and you know having a bit of crack like there's no point in taking it serious like there's none of us going to make money in this game um, so there's no point in taking it way, way, way too serious um, just get out and enjoy it and break the odd club or two if you have to and have a bit of crack yeah um, we have a few joke questions or well not joke but very serious questions that people submitted there um, Jason uh, golf is businessmen who don't ever want to go home to their wives discuss <laughs> no comment no comment <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> do you have any views no no I don't, I don't have a golf or a wife so. <laughs> um, <I don't. laughs> go on I'm not saying anything <laughs> at what hole do you usually get bored in a, term, in a tournament 
about five balls from home when you know you're playing fucking shit and you just want to go home. That must be the worst, I'd say, when you know you're doing shit. And you see oh, man, yeah. Like. Oh, stop. I, was, I remember last, was it last year? Yeah, last year in Porto in the comic stroke. Uh, I was actually playing okay. And every day, every, remember the first two rounds I came in, the lads were like, well, how would how, you play? I actually played all right, but like my score was shite. Um, and I swear to God, I, my putting that week, it was just the worst. I might as well have been putting with a hockey stick. Uh, it was it was so bad. And I just, I had to go out. I, I made the cut. I think I made the cut just on the mark or maybe inside by one. And I played shit on Sunday morning. And I, the first hole on uh, my last round, on Sunday afternoon, I blocked it way late and I lost the fucking ball. Went down, couldn't find it. Had to run back to the tee box, whack another one. And this was like four o'clock, four o'clock of a Sunday afternoon after driving from Port Leach on, on Friday evening. Having to drive home to Wexford from Port Tumna and back to Port Leach on Monday morning. I felt like throwing the golf in the lake, going down the first but. Yeah, it was just moments like that. You're just like, fuck this. I just like, couldn't be arsed. I'd rather be anywhere than here. Cheney, <laughs> right? That's the reality. Yeah. The last time me and That Flood is, yeah, yeah. That's it. Like, you just, when you're hitting it shit, you just want to get out of there. The last time me and Flood went golf, and we had to go home early because we ran out of golf balls. We lost them all. <laughs> <laughs> I've never got to that stage now, but hopefully it doesn't happen. Touch wood. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, uh, this is important one, Jason. Uh, do you wear two trousers, Jason, in case you get a hole in one? <laughs> Jesus, <Christ. laughs> things are wicked bad. We sometimes we go through articles on this uh, podcast of ours, Paper Chooses, and um, I came across one actually, and I wanted to have a chat with you about it. Uh, Eugene Fennelly. How an Abbey League, Abbey League fan played a record 200 holes of golf in one day. <laughs> so um, he did it in 1982 to raise money for a charity. And uh, he, he started teeing off at 4.50 in the morning and he finished at 10.14 that night. Um, so he did it in Abbey Leaks. Would a, you ever like to do that now? <laughs> that's 11 rounds. Not a hope. 11 rounds. You want the Toba Soda Cream in the freezer and uh, whatever else you need. Now that is a man who didn't like his wife. <laughs> like 200 holes, Jesus Christ, that's a lot. Yeah, he did a two, three or three and a half hours, take a break, have a tea, sandwich, a banana, and uh, then go for another three and a half hours. Um, it's 11 rounds of golf, is it? I don't know the maths, and it's 11.1 rounds of golf. So he played an extra hole, I'd say. Yeah, up. he... Um, he had an average of 73.8 strokes with an average time of one hour and 32 minutes per 18 holes. And he completed his fastest nine holes in just 31 minutes. Um, oh, he must have been in a bogey. In a bogey. Well, he oh, said that he took around 90,000 steps from his first tee Jeez. off to his final push. Holy shit. Holy God. <laughs> Did Matt start the 80s? I think we're about 200 miles Oh, he was actually a... He had the same job as you, Jason, would you believe? Hey. Yeah. Um, Screw. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he was a key member of the Leash Senior Hurling team at the time. And the marathon fell just a few days after his Leash side faced awfully in the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship semi-final where they drew. And um, uh, That's oh, fair going. 
yeah, yeah. And he, so he trained. Actually, that's gas. So he was training for the replay uh, and doing the golf and marathon as well. Yeah, I don't know. That's, this is the joys of local newspapers. You just get uh, gas stories like that. So that was released today. So yeah, there's a, a fun story anyway. Um, I have a, we have this thing, Jason, where we, and we've missed him for the last few weeks and he'd be fierce, unhappy and upset if we didn't get to him this week. So this is our flash flood with featuring uh, the one James Flood, the golfing uh, expert that is we that mentioned earlier. No, no. <laughs> oh, maybe it's an AV, no. Well, it's, it's fierce topical. Uh, or right, maybe, go on, no, go on, go yeah. for it, yeah, Fellas, what, uh, whatever about the dubs, uh, I'm breaking the rules. This is a highly structured, highly organized breaking of the rules, right? So his nine players arrive out in Bagrisham, uh, outside the five kilometers, some lads, the players rule one broken. And then you have the highly organized nature of it. Uh, you had a coach there doing the session. You had a man on the gate watching who was getting in, who was getting out. And there was nine lads there. Now, Jordan usually had a of about 40. My question is, what are the other 31 lads doing? Where are they training? When are they training? How are they training? You know, it's an absolute disgrace. People can slap the rules and get away with it. I don't know what punishment you could put on them. I really don't know. A suspension is not going to work. Fine is going to work. Is it also going to make a difference? No. But whatever the punishment is, it should be a nasty one for big cheating bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so apologies for the quality there, but uh, that that's one of James's uh, favorite topics, uh, Dubliners. So um, all right. Yeah, yeah. Have you James coming live from the Avery area there? <laughs> <laughs> Pocahontas. James lives in a Disney film now. <laughs> Uh, do you have any views just, there? Like every county team is training. I like. I can't believe people are surprised Dublin are fucking training. Right? Like, oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, of course. It's mental, isn't it? What? Like, it's just mental. Like, how? Like, what is the big deal about this? Like, a few lads having to kick about in the field. Like, it's just. Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. I can't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. But I. I just uh, front. Front. Front page news. Like, it's yeah. Just, yeah. Slow oh, news. Sure we got in the newspaper. That's how this news is going on lately. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's ridiculous. And like, even golf is the worst of it. Like, why in the name of Jesus can't you stand in a big field away from anyone and hit a ball and fucking hundred yeah. yards and follow it? Like, it I just, I, I don't get it. No. Like, if 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 there was some sort of excuse that you you could have, like, to, like, if, like, uh, a reason behind why it's why it's not why golf is not going ahead like but there's no logical reason to explain why golf is not going ahead it just doesn't make sense anyway look it's, it's like there's just bigger 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 things going on out there but but it just there's so many people could be out there playing and just like to be happy enough to hit a few balls maybe even on a range like just open a goddamn range mm, you know yeah. open a range and let lads go out and hit a few balls it's just it's mental but that Dublin that whole Dublin Dublin thing is just it's crazy for me like you know your man I was reading something about your man in the beacon last week, like, and now you have this making front front page news and deadly fire getting a ban and the other prick not getting that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting, all right, <laughs> to say that. Nice stuff, like, yeah. Uh, James, James is upset though, and um, yeah, he's he's going to keep the rules, but I like uh, what I'm. I'm, uh, he probably doesn't expect that I'm going to do this, but five minutes later, he sent this lovely voice note. Hey, God. 
someday out, someday out, out walking. Ali's a dog here now at the minute. And we are uh, enjoying the fantastic weather. It's the kind of morning you go into the sea head first and come out with a 10 pound trout in your hand. It's fucking jizz gorgeous. <laughs> So like, where are we going from? They broke the rules. We need to do something about it. To oh, you blow with a trope in your. Yeah, that's our flash flood. That's James. Yeah. Um, do we have any other questions? Well, um, I suppose the last question, Jason, just golf. What is the buzz you get from your sport? I suppose I I'd be very competitive when it comes to just in general, like. Like if you were drinking milk for the water, I'd have to drink twice the amount, you know. I might just give it a fair fucking whack there. But yeah, I think it's just miss the compet. Like I mean, you 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 miss hurling there, like of a of a summer's day there, you know, you you whatever driving by Belfield or somewhere and the sun's splitting the trees and there's a game on, you'd miss you'd miss that end of it. So I think golf was a good substitute for me to get that competitive edge back. Um, mm. That's kind of that's in that sense it's one of the it, is, it probably is one of the main reasons that I that I try and be good at mm. you know because I think if I was any kind of mediocre and playing it of a Sunday I, I I don't know I don't know if I'd still have still have the same love for it but I think just I suppose the 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 main thing now is the fact that I know I can win mm. and I'm going to be chasing that for the next three or four or five years or. Deadly. However, much longer I can kind of compete at that level, and we'll see how it goes, and keep whacking it away, and mm. see what happens. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Any other thoughts, Mark? No, I'm good. Now. Well, well, I just remembered. I'll mm. Go and get my book. Oh, this thing. Uh, yeah, we've. Uh, What's going on now? Another uh, ex Wexford uh, superstar that is in our list. I crossed the line by Liam Dunn. We take a Liam random Dunn. page from this, Jason. So you have uh, one to two, <laughs> eight, eight. Uh, what? Uh, trying to pick a number. Pick a number between one and two, two, eight, eight. 117. Ooh. Do you want to do the honors, Mark? Yeah, right. The amount of strokes I'm going to have when I go back to my first round of golf. <laughs> Early in 1996, when we played Offaly in the Walsh Cup, you could see that everyone was starting to pull together. And of course, the reason was that it was either Griffin's way or the highway. Oh. There you go. No. Beautiful. Yeah, I think we're Griffin, doesn't he? He does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was that one from a few weeks ago? Uh, Liam Griffin's quote was, he's not Hannibal Lecter and he's not Mother Teresa. So yeah, describing yeah. Liam Dunn. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. not the Hannibal Lecter I've all made him out today. Yeah. 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 There, there you are. Jason Rackard, thanks a million. And I know a bit about golf. Uh, I don't think I'll take it back up, but uh, no, yeah. <laughs> it went so well. Jason's going well. Give it a go. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, do it for me. Leave it to the pros. Yeah. Thanks for that, Jason. Cheers, Jason. Cheers. Good luck. Cheers. Good luck.